0: You're listening to American Citizens, a Manchester City podcast by American journalists. Aguero, Sergio, the savior again. Aguero riding to Manchester City's rescue. That's for the first time in this semi-final, they are ahead on aggregate. Here's Sterling but he keeps it in, and De Bruyne is there! And it is dead level now. Manchester City are still alive here. Balotelli, Aguero! And now here's your hosts, Josh Webb and Greg Pappke.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Bayern special edition of the American Citizens Podcast, the midweek edition. We're, uh, so that we don't have too much to talk about when we reconvene early next week, we decided what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about the Bayern game a little bit and um, some of the some brief talk about the transfer stories that have come up in the uh, 48 hours since we recorded our last podcast, so this is the Byron Special Edition, and I'm with Josh. Hello, Josh.
0: Hey, buddy. How you doing today, man?
1: I'm good. How are you? I know we were just discussing how it's obscenely Hot. hot in the respective corners of the world.
0: Yeah, and uh, we were also, I, I think, bonding over our asthmatic devices, too. So, right. I, I mean, we were a pocket protector short of having just a full-on nerd discussion. That's right. Um,
1: but we, we're free
0: to press on
1: into nerd discussions about other things, namely the football, so, um, Tuesday, no, Wednesday, it was Wednesday, and City lost, the uh, outcome is uh, secondary, really. Um, a 1-0 kind a deflected goal, that's F and late in the game,
0: um... So, I couldn't even believe it went in. I don't think anyone really could. It was sort of one of those moments where, like, Byron was sort of laughing, like, guns, like, you know. I, I mean, hmm, you could tell that everybody sort of wanted to win the game, but nobody was taking it so seriously that they got upset after that deflected goal happened it was really just sort of like, the best way to put it is like a testimonial game where, you know, somebody has to lose, I suppose. But like, I think Byron fans entering into that game, and, and I said this on social media, you know, there was a buzz about City fans that day. Like, you know, Americans, we, to, to put into context exactly how unimportant the preseason is in America. And I'm not talking about the, the the Premier League preseason. I'm just talking about our general American views of preseason for fans who live across the pond that listen to this and, and don't really quite understand how Americans view preseasons. Like, The list of things that you would do before watching a preseason game would include going to see a rom-com with your girlfriend, like, getting a root canal. Preseason is just not something that we care about. But I don't remember the last time I made time to
1: watch a Lions preseason game. I just don't.
0: I think the only reason I will be watching any preseason at all this year is because I have to, because I now cover the Rams. Like, I will be obligated to for my job to watch the NFL preseason. But if I didn't have to, I wouldn't. So watching, like, but but getting back to to the point at hand, I was so flipping excited for the the, the 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 friendly at Bayern. Like, I could not wait all day for that game to start. And I have to imagine that it's not just City fans who felt that way. Guardiola revolutionized Bayern, no doubt, but Ancelotti himself commands a lot of respect. And I'm sure that Bayern fans were just as excited to see what the Ancelotti area... Era is going to look like. So the atmosphere for the game w- was pretty damn impressive all the way around, and just for appreciation.
1: Yeah, and i th- I think that it was it was kind of an odd situation to put them both in. I have no doubt that Pep probably would have rather played someone else to open with. Um, but I. Th- and the game itself reminded me a bit of the Champions League tie there two years ago when they looked like they were going to salvage nil-nil, and then Boateng scored a deflected goal in the last ten minutes, and they won. Um, obviously, much lower stakes and much lower intensity, but I thought you know you could see the beginnings. It's obviously a work in progress, and it's obviously going to take a while, and we know that. And there were so many young players and. Kolarov was playing at center back for parts of the game out of sheer necessity. Um, I think most of the discussion afterwards centered around the two young fullbacks who, particularly Angelino,
0: impressed a lot of people in that game. Yeah, you know what? uh, All right, so Angelino and Maceo were – I, you You look at all the reviews, you listen to all the commentary, even the podcast afterwards everybody excuse me, everybody had love for Angelino and maffeo. Can I take a different opinion here? would you mind and i'm not and i'm not gonna we don't encourage differing opinions here. Uh, yeah yeah, I'm not gonna crap on Angelino or Maceo. I I'm just going to say something that probably goes against what the vast majority of the people are thinking, in that the individual who impressed me the most was not either one of those two, but rather Tosin Adoriabo uh, <laughs> I could God. I now you've got me mispronouncing it. Sunday alert, Angel- we'll yeah. Uh Tosin anyhow. Was the guy that impressed me the most? Um I realize there are some some physical concerns with it. <clears throat> you know, uh, when when you talk about like maybe American sports, this is a guy who you know would hope would hit the weight room and and be able to bulk up in the off season. But but in terms of his ability and his recognition of the game in the overall fearlessness with which he approaches it. I remember there was just, there was one play that, that there or one sort of, I I don't know. You call it a play. I don't know what what the actual technical term in there. uh, Sequence of events where Byron were, were down in, in, in city's final third and they were about at the top of, of the, of the box. And I forget who had it, because at that point, people were just rotating in and out. So trying to keep track of who was in, who was out. Like, I don't think I cared as much uh, about Byron as I was trying to monitor City. Uh, But but one of the Byron players just tries to give this nifty one-two where he pops it up over the top, trying to spring one of his guys on a run. And Tostin read that thing so quickly that you just sort of see him jump up out of nowhere and just head that ball straight back out toward midfield. And uh, it was just his reading of the game that impressed me the most. And I thought, you know, for a center back, this guy might be the future, not And And that was sort of weird to say, but, I, I, I realized that everybody loved Maffeo and Angelino, so I guess I just wanted to ask, were you as impressed with Tosin as I was, or do you still think that Angelino and Maffeo are are the guys that had the best night?
1: I think Angelino in particular and Maffeo stood out more because it, the perception is they're probably closer to being able to play with the first team this year than Tosin is. Like, I'm not sure that there's much of anything he can do to push his way into that reckoning. Whereas, I think given our aging fullbacks in that situation, people are looking for more immediate solutions there. And they see Angelino, who is a guy that, um, I mean, he was played at, over the course of the game in three different positions. Um, Guardiola clearly rates him. You you'd think based judging by what they were having him do. Um, and I think that people see that, especially at left back where you have Torov and Clichy still, and people are like, hmm, maybe, maybe this year, maybe. So I think that is why Angelino in particular stood out. But I agree with you about Tosin. I thought he was impressive. I saw some people blaming him or at least holding him slightly complicit in the goal. I thought that was harsh. Um, but, you know, he's been getting very good reviews for a while now. And I know he's still, he's still very, very young. I believe he's 18, um, turning 19 toward the beginning of the season. So I think he's still, I would expect him to, either be in the uh, EDS or on loan this season. And I think that Maffeo will end up going out on loan too. But I think that's why there was a bit more praise for Angelino because it is a position of need, and the perception, I think, is that he is a bit closer to being able to impact the first team in the near term.
0: And I can understand that. It just looked to me like, okay, you watch Tosin throughout the entire game. And, okay, so Kolarov is, is basically playing as center back against Bayern, um sort of operating on, on that just left-hand side. But there were times when Kolarov became the primary center back and he would bring that ball up and, and, I mean, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Like, he's coming in from midfield down towards the box and, you know, dribbling it up. And I know that people on Twitter were commenting about it too. Like, what the hell is Kolarov doing, you know? Like, I realized you're supposed to build it out from the back, but that didn't mean bring the ball up and hand deliver it to the striker. Uh, you know, out of that, what you saw – was that Tosin sort of became the guy who had to hang back and make sure that everything <clears throat> didn't fall apart defensively, while Colorado was doing whatever it is that Colorado does, and then when Yaya Toure came in the game, like I'm not, I, I'm actually not going to bitch about Yaya too much. Um, other than the one, the one little incident where Fernandinho had to pick prof- up uh, a professional yellow because Yaya went and tried to to intercept the pass and wound up on his ass on the ground, you know, just completely whiffed on it, leaving everybody out of position. So Dino had to step in and, and take the professional foul for him, but. Tosin was sort of the guy who was left back there running everything. And I guess I look at it like this. When I look at the comments that people have had saying, you know, either Otamendi or Mangala need to go, um, it seems to be, and I don't know this for a fact, but it seems to be a foregone conclusion at this point that Denayer is, I'm not going to say... I don't want to say a bust. It just seems like it's an unfortunate, like it's not going to work out for him. Like this kid, if he's going to achieve his potential, somehow, some way at City, things got so twisted that he unfortunately got lost in the shuffle. Like he should have never been sent out on loan last year. I mean, would you kind of agree that that's where things got sort of Wonky for for Denayer and his future plans with with City.
1: I think the I think that they originally planned on having him involved, and something changed. Whether I think it, it, was it was
0: the Demichelis, he re yeah, he D-Machalus did show up,
1: things. which is stupid. Yeah. Putting another year on his contract and offering nothing in that year. Um, but you know, I think. Eventually, down the line, they are going to need because I don't think Otamendi is a long-term solution under Guardiola. And I don't – obviously, company is past 30 and has fitness issues. So there's going to come a point where even if they do sign two new center backs this summer, they're going to need more down the line in a year, two years, three years, and they're going to not want to be spending 40, 50, 60 million euros every summer to buy a new center back. So I think they need to be careful with Tosin. I think they need to make sure that he is getting the levels of experience that will benefit him and isn't just being sent out on loan aimlessly to weird places where he's going to be played out of position or what have you. Um, I think I'd like that they to see
0: him go on loan in Germany, to be quite frank with you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know what kind of loan move would be. Again, he's eighteen. Um, I,
0: I can I can think of a club that that that, that uses a lot of youthful players, uh, plays a very similar style to to Manchester City, and are in need of some defenders. Again, the one certain Borussia Dortmund.
1: Do you think he'd play that? That's a very high standard. Kulisic played. Yeah. Yeah, but. Kulisic also but, already a U.S. international.
0: Yeah, but he's also the same age as Tosin. And I, look, man, saying he's a U.S. international, frankly, the I know that's not saying a whole lot. Mean, a whole <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean. That, that's, that's neither here nor there. I, I, in my opinion in this discussion, I think that at the level of their development, I would argue they're fairly similar and fairly close to one another in terms of overall development. They play different positions, so it's really, really hard to rate them. Uh, on, a, on a similar scale. But I would argue that that Tosin seems to be as aware of what's going on at the – every time I've seen him, because I think his other appearance against Real Madrid in a preseason game last year, wasn't yeah. it? Didn't, didn't he All play right, against Real? So. Yeah. I and I'm, he, did. I, he didn't do too horribly. I mean, they got smoked, but, I mean – we we're basically playing kids against Real at that point. And I so, believe Cameron was his partner that day. Yeah, so. yeah. He also had a 16-year-old as his partner, and they still did well. So I don't know, man. I I just think that he could get opportunities in the Bundesliga, even if it's a game here and there. What he would get out of that is <clears throat> constant practice, constant work on pressing on building out. I mean, these are things that, that that he would be able to develop if he were sent on loan. Now this is, you know, just me thinking out loud. I'm sure there are a number of other clubs that he could be loaned to which would fit the style a bit a bit more. But I don't know. I I I just feel like if he goes if Posting's gonna go out on loan, I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you that I would hate for it to be like Accrington Stanley or some pointless crap. Like put the kid at a place like Bayer Leverkusen or, or somewhere where he is going to gain an understanding for what it means to play for a club that has expectations of some type. I'm inclined to say
1: keep him here and put him in training with the first team um, because l- let's look at it this way. Um, you're going to come in next season. You're going to have probably four center backs. Vincent Kompany is going to be one of them. Endy is probably going to be one of them. Um, and then John Stones is probably going to be one of them. and. I don't know, Costa Minolis, who they've been linked with. Let's just throw out a name, because there's going to be a fourth. I don't know who it's going to be, but there's going to be a fourth. How going to get hurt? That's not an if, it's a when. Um, and who's to say that you keep him, you get him tutored under the best coach in the world. Who's to say he's not going to get a game here and there, because injuries will happen, um... Otsumendi will probably pick up ten yellow cards in the first fifteen matches and face this suspension. I just think
0: Mendy will do so much stupid shit that Guardiola is gonna end up being like, Yeah, I can't do this. I can't do this. This is I, this guy this played. guy is too much of a wild card.
1: I think it's entirely possible that if company isn't fit, um company and Guardiola likes to play two at the back two center backs, it's going to be Stones and whoever else he signs. Um but my my point being, I think he'll have a chance to get game time, and at the very least no one's going no place is going to train him better to be a contributor at Manchester City than Manchester City. I wouldn't hate a loan it would have to be the right loan move, but you know I think that perhaps the best thing for his development would be to stick around the first team and gain experience with that standard of player, maybe get some cup games, come off the bench maybe in a few Premier League games if there's injuries or fitness issues or what have you. I think, I don't think that's completely out of the realm of possibility of happening. It doesn't put too much of a onus on him, but it also allows him to learn in a conducive environment and get experience at the
0: top level. Oh, yeah. I am totally fine if uh, uh, Tosin were to stick around. I just, I don't think, as you stated, that that's going to be the plan. I think that, you know, and and this was mentioned uh, in in great detail on, on the City Watch podcast, but they sort of analyzed where... There would be open spots within the team and in which youngsters would fill those spots. And it just seemed more likely as you mentioned, as, as ASON mentioned, as Howard mentioned on, on the podcast, that it just seems like Angelino and Maffeo may end up being the guys that Guardiola chooses to keep around simply because they look like they're ready to go now. Uh, whereas you could argue Tossin needs in some way, shape, or form some kind of development, whether it's on the physical side, whether it's just on the getting the experience underneath his belt. I would be fine if he stuck around. And I think that unlike Pellegrini, Guardiola would find minutes for him, meaningful minutes um, along the way, uh, at least meaningful to him. I'm not saying the kid would get like an hour in a game against, you know, Manchester United or something. But I I think Guardiola would find a way to integrate him into the first team with more efficiency than uh, Pellegrini did with some of the youth development players. But I just feel like City will think that a lone move for him could do him a little bit better with the log jam at center back and the entirely possible scenario where City end up not being able to unload any of the center backs that they have, but also signing Stones and possibly one other. Then I just don't know what you do with him, and in that case, I would almost prefer to see him go out on loan just so he doesn't become static. Right.
1: So, let me pivot a bit. Um, Other than Wilfred Bunny, who doesn't really need to have any words wasted on him, who were you least
0: impressed with? Ooh, I'm Honey. so glad you brought this up. I'm going to stay on Other Bonnie. Yeah, no, actually, I wasn't even going to mention Bonnie. I'm going to stay on the youth side. Uh, Brandon Barker.
1: I completely agree with you.
0: I, I don't think he has a future. I no, just don't. No, no. Every time I've seen him, I've been less and less impressed by him. And when you look at conversely what Patrick Roberts is already doing with Celtic. I was going to say, Patrick Roberts has, from the moment he signed, doubtlessly moved
1: ahead of him in packing order. There's just so many attackers at, it's at City right now. And I know he's a true winger and guys like Manu Garcia are more central, but there's so many players and He's not. He's behind Patrick Roberts. He's behind other people. I don't see where his, his 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 future lies at Manchester City because he didn't really have any means of impacting the game. And to make matters worse on his end, I think he's. I believe he's older. He's in his low twenties, so he's frankly running out of time to really make. Oh, he's nineteen. I don't know where I got that. Pardon me, but either way, he's. I don't. Oh, you're I don't sort of getting it. to I that don't.
0: age where compared yeah, yeah, to yeah, like you got to make old. a decision.
1: You know, you got to commit or set him free. Um, is he in your future plans or isn't he? And I don't think he's up to the standard.
0: Yeah, I'm with you on that. The the couple times I've seen him, I've not rated him very highly. Um, He looked a little bit nervy out there. Uh, And there were countless times that he gave the ball away, too. Um, And then, as if to make it worse, after he gave the ball... Yeah,
1: that's basically the cardinal sin.
0: Well, it's almost the cardinal sin... But then after he gave up the ball, he didn't really have the wherewithal and the ability to then press and win it back, which that, to me, is the cardinal sin. You can give the ball away. Guardiola accepts that the ball can be given away, but the whole purpose of his system is you sworn down on that player and you take the damn ball back. And he couldn't do that. He just and as the game went on, he drifted further and further out of it, and just looked like he was in over his head. And it's like, well, buddy, you've been here for how long now? In Manchester City, if if there's one thing this the the club is, it, it it's it's congruous, man. They have continuity across all of their clubs with the style that they want to play, the type of managers they hire to put that style on the field. And much like Barcelona, which is what they modeled their entire business after. So it's, it's no shock. Uh, and by the way, that's not a bad business to model yours after. Um, but much like Barcelona, Uh, You get players that come through this academy, if you don't know what you're doing by the age of 19, or if you aren't able to do it to at least semi-decent proficiency, then I don't really see where there is hope for you at that point. You know, it's the system, the system, the system. You've been in the system. You either get it or you don't, and you're showing that you don't.
1: He seems like the type of player who, when things are going well for him, you can be convinced by him, but when they're not, he just completely drifts out of the game and has no way of turning it around. That's the impression I got.
0: Almost and, like David
1: Silva. Yeah, but quite different. <laughs> Um, on a skill level because I I just... I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't know... I don't see any way... Because the standard is so high now that I don't really know where you're going to find a way to get him up to that standard because, like you said, Patrick Roberts is doing more alone at Celtic than Barker ever has anywhere. And... I just, well, and I it's don't... not
0: just what Patrick Roberts is doing while he's right. at Celtic alone.
1: A, because they bought Roberts specifically for the future. But just looking, that's just an example of the standard of player that they're working with now, that they have signed a contract. And Barker's not going to get ahead of that.
0: No, I don't think he is. I, I think there's simply been too much time that's passed. I mean... The only other thing that you could really do for Barker I would think would be to send him to Patrick Vieira um, and, and 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 see if you know maybe by playing in the MLS uh, he can up because I think the physicality can wear on the stamina issue does that make sense? yeah it makes sense uh, i mean but but the more and more that, that the game wore on the, the less and less that, that barker was able to press try and win the ball back and and i think that part of of that is is simply due to not having the physicality and the stamina to sustain that it's it's a demanding style of play and you 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 can either do it or you can't. But maybe putting him in the MLS, where even guys like Gerard and Lampard have been quoted as talking about the the league being much more physical than they expected, which I suspect is in large part due to to the lower skill level. So it's there's a lot more clattering and and. Clumsy challenges and, and, and just guys using brute strength, uh, because they don't have the overall skill. But I, I mean, you look at Angelino, I, when I went and saw him, uh, with the, uh, NYCFC when they played the galaxy, I actually wasn't that impressed by him that day. Uh, I, I left sort of thinking, wow, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure City expected a lot better when they sent this kid out on loan. And then you just basically come to find out that apparently NYCFC had the ability to win all along. They just hired a crappy manager. In comes Vieira, the product turns around. So maybe the answer to Barker is to send him here to the States for a year. And then make your decision after that. But I honestly think that the year in the states will be really telling, one way or the next. Yeah, I'm not
1: sure it helps. I don't. I don't know that there's much that can. You know, you can't. To to go back to something Guardiola said. I can't magically make someone good. You either have, you have to have it, and if you have it, I can make you better. But I can't make someone who's bad good. And I don't. I think that's kind of the principle we're working with here.
0: Um, real, real quickly, I just want to talk about one other person from that game before we briefly touch on transfer rumors and close out because I think he was pretty impressive, and that's Vincenzo. I, I really liked what I saw out of Vincenzo, and and I, uh, I now see why. City rated that kid so highly. Coming in right away and doing, like, I don't even know how long he's been with, uh, well, I mean, I should know, but I mean, I don't know off the top of my head how long he had been with the team up to that point, but I don't think it had been too terribly long. He played better than Barker. He was clearly cleaning up for Barker.
1: Yeah, and I was really looking forward to seeing it did not come away disappointed. Um, there's just there's so, so much attacking talent. I'm not sure I could see... I think a long move is still most likely for him this year, but I think they've got something there, and it's nice to see them dipping into that market of, like, talented upper-tier of youth players that are close to ready but don't cost an arm and a leg and I and I like that that brand of business.
0: You mean Overall, you don't want to play pay one hundred and twenty million for Paul Pogba? Is isn't it more than that
1: now? It keeps going up. It's kind of
0: amazing. I, have, I think the best part about it is that Mino Raiola is like on Twitter. Like, openly mocking these. It was like, there is nothing going on. Blah, blah, blah. I just this, like, this nothing guy is great. Yet. Yeah. Nothing to see
1: there. Move along. Um, but overall, I was encouraged by the game. And um, I'm looking forward to Monday. I think that, assuming they go through with well, it, the yeah, no, it's Yeah, that was
0: like, that, that- we should talk about that for a brief moment. Uh, it may or may not happen in China because of the rain. Um, we'll see what ends up happening. But uh, I would yeah. have mixed feelings. I would have mixed feelings. You never want to lose out on a friendly
1: because that's important time for you to tinker and experiment, but I don't want to play United in a preseason. I don't. It doesn't feel yeah. to me.
0: Yeah, I just don't want to deal with, like, the, the, the you know, in the event that City go out there and they don't win, like, you just know that even though these friendlies with the results being immaterial and it all being about tinkering, if City somehow lose that game, like, oh, my God. The the amount of people that will actually take something from that and swear by it would just be obnoxious. I don't think I could take it.
1: Well United lost four one this morning and it was still front page on all the tabloid sports pages, so it's just I don't I don't wanna deal with it. I mean I'd rather I, at the end of the day I'd rather say it goes through because that development time ultimately for the team is more important than anything else that comes out of it, but Oh, it's going to be a sideshow. I really wish that that, that hadn't happened. Um, but, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You can see the philosophy starting to be implemented. I was encouraged. Um, and now that they've got all the senior players except for De Bruyne and the Frenchman, I we can really, you know, I, about time, not like it's their fault that they're late, but um, I feel like they can really get at it now and start really put together what they're going to do for the season.
0: You know, I just found it completely odd that some of these teams who didn't really make it that far in the competition, like, you look at, you know, like, Nolito, like, bro, why weren't you out there? You got eliminated in, the like, the, the very first knockout stage. Why, why were there players who played deeper into the tournament back before you? You know, it just, these sort of international, th- uh, uh, tournaments always crack me up. But, uh, it, in that regard, it's just like who, who gets to come back when is, is always so random. Um, and you can just, month,
1: of- yeah, it seems like a month is the standard because, Spain got knocked out somewhere around like the week of the 18th or the 20th or something. So a month seems to be standard operating procedure for this sort of thing, which is why De Bruyne and Sanya and Mandala are back. But, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that, oh, you should be back sooner. I, I trust that they know what they're doing, basically.
0: Oh, yeah, I don't care when they come back. I just find it amusing that 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 some players are back before others who got knocked out of the tournament
1: first yeah is on the China tour really hasn't. I assume that I think that has to definitely has to do with playtime, but still it's it is amusing,
0: but you know we've already gone on long enough. um let's just quickly talk about. Some of those transfer uh, rumors, particularly one that looks like it should be done in the coming days, though there have been some interesting developments that have arisen, uh, the first of which is that United may supposedly come in with a higher bid at the final minute, which... I don't buy that for one second at all. Uh, First of all, you've got two things. One that uh, Jose Mourinho specifically said, and he said again today, we have three of our four targets except for that midfielder. Well, yeah, uh, Gabriel Jesus is, is not a midfielder. And Mourinho specifically said we have four targets. Um, and if United truly are paying 120 uh, some odd million for Pogba, I, I don't see them uh, uh, approving, you know, another near 40 million for Gabriel Jesus just to, you know, come in and steal a beat on City. Like I just, it, it, I I. I can't see that happening, but I suppose that nothing is above the petty of Jose Mourinho. Uh, but probably most interesting is, and and I wasn't entirely sure who some of these parties are. Uh, there was a tweet which went around um, specifically stating. Uh, which is Kuka uh, was cited as saying, we have to see if Natos, Maris's director or president authorized Pep Guardiola to speak with Gabriel Jesus. Uh, now, if <laughs> they didn't authorize that, that, well, let's just say that would be bad. Very, very bad for city like transfer ban bad. Um, But I I truthfully don't see them. City are usually fairly good about having their ducks in a row after getting smashed by the the, uh, Financial Fair Play Act. Uh, Ever since then, they've been pretty good. Like, their lawyers' lawyers have looked at a situation. So I guess I'll ask you, uh, what do you make of this Gabriel Jesus transfer saga? And do you think at the end of the day, he winds up with
1: City? What is your gut saying? I think he does. I mean, suppose the story was supposedly that United tried to hijack it, but the he told them that he
0: would rather play someone you're, you're muffled again.
1: I don't understand this.
0: Um, yeah, I think he will. And
1: the story supposedly was that he was going to... The United tried to hijack the deal, but his agent said in no uncertain terms that he would rather play for Guardiola than Mourinho. Um, I think it gets done, and I don't think City are stupid enough that they would do something that could get them in serious trouble just for the sake of this. Um, but I... I I'm excited about this because City are really playing in that South American market because they've got the Marlos Moreno thing done as well, apparently. another highly rated South American prospect. And I think it's intriguing that they are playing in that market, which is usually not really explored by English clubs. Um, And it could really pay dividends for them down the line. I know uh, Gabriel Jesus is highly rated. Moreno is highly rated. Um, and getting these guys signed up now before, because, you know, all the big clubs have been linked to these guys. um, There was a lot of, of I think the expectation was that Gabriel Jesus would go to Barcelona or Real Madrid. So I think it's a bit of a coup, really, if they are getting him, which I think they are, because they're playing in this market that English clubs don't really play in a lot, because a lot of those guys end up going to Spain or another country where the work permit isn't required. Um, so I'm excited. I like the overall strategy as well, which intrigues me, because it, they're it's getting very good reviews on the players they're signing.
0: About a year and a half, maybe two years ago, I opined... Actually, I think it was a little less than it. I think it was about a year to a year and a half... I opine to the following situation. Because, and I think I've even mentioned it on this podcast, City have NYCFC here in America. Now, you're not going to find much talent in America, but the sport is definitely growing, and if there's talent to be found, City are in a position to find it. Uh, They obviously have uh, Melbourne City which you know the the Australian League seems to be uh, a, a decent feeder league um, I'm somewhat concerned about the fact that guys like Aaron Louie are are 23 and and like being put back out on loan you'd think if you were buying a guy at 23 since he could be ready to play Um but, again, I think this is just more I, know, the, I, I, well, the, the, I, I think he's going to be sold on.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. I don't think they're buying them to play for Manchester City. I think they're
0: yeah. buying them to play for Melbourne City. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that makes total sense for me. Um, but uh, then they also have, you know, the, 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 the Yokohama uh, – uh, what, what are they, the Swallows? I can't remember their name. I don't know. Um, but, uh, so, so you've got, you know, a club in England, you've got a club in North America, you've got a club in Asia, you've got a club in Australia, the largest untapped market left is South America, and I have long been convinced, and I'm sure it's in the works, and I'm sure City have been evaluating options for ages, I am convinced that the next major acquisition by Manchester City, and I don't consider selling 12% of the business to be an, uh, an acquisition. That's more of that was an acquisition for the Chinese, but definitely not for City. Uh, I think their next major acquisition will be a club in South America for all of the reasons you just stated.
1: Yeah, and I believe that they already have, I think, they have some schools down there. They have already a pretty extensive operation down there. Um, And like I said, it just seems like a frontier that English clubs, be it the work permit issues or whatever else, have sort of been hesitant to tread into. Usually these guys are going, I know Italy gets some because of how their laws work, Spain gets some, Portugal gets some, but you know, these guys are coming to the Premier League as known quantities rather than prospects. And I think that this is a huge step towards getting them before they cost, you know, absurd amounts of money. And that will pay huge dividends for City down the road because some of the most talented players in the world are coming from South America. And I love the way they play. And if you can get those guys before the cost gets inflated, you're winning. That is great. That's fantastic. And I know Gabriel Hayes did not, is not coming cheap. We're talking, there's a significant fee, which is why I believe that he'll be involved in the first team sooner rather than later.
0: But, I think he's going to be. I, I, is it, don't you think he's the guy who's sort of that second striker to come in behind Aguero? Yeah, I can see it.
1: I I guess he's staying alone but at his own request through December. Um, so I'm not sure what they'll do in the interim, but it seems like logically to me he would come in in January and join up with the first team. I can't imagine, you know. There, there doesn't seem to be any point in doing anything else?
0: Yeah, I, that's what I was reading yesterday that the whole thing the he wants to stay at at at, uh, at Palmeiras until the end of the Brazilian season, which ends in December. So almost in effect, City will have a a an extremely high quality striker who needs a new celebration in the worst way. The, the whole gun thing by him has got to stop. Like, and I, this has nothing to do with my politics. It's that his wrist looks so flimsy when he's trying to do those dueling pistols. It's like, what, what are you doing there, dude? Put some confidence in your gun. Do it like telling morbid, man. You kind of gotta, you gotta get your body centered and hit him with the shooter. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it's almost like this kid is going to be a, a a winter signing of sorts. You know what I mean? Like, city will need those reinforcements at at, at the uh, at the end of the transfer window, and all of a sudden, in comes Gabriel Jesus, And and yeah, man, you'll add some extra power to the attacking lineup and give Guardiola a new toy to implement. So I. I I hope that City get this deal done, because uh, like you said, it's swooping up on South American talent before they have the chance to go to La Masia or the Berna Bayou. Yeah, and um I
1: think Gabriel Aziz was earmarked for Barcelona for a while, but they just didn't... They kind of dragged their feet on it, and so this is happening. Um There's not really anything else major that has happened. So if you want a last word, I'll give you a last word. I don't know if
0: there's anything you wanted to bring up. I just wanted to ask about this whole, you know, Paul Pogba situation. Like, it doesn't really necessarily pertain to City, but in a way it does. If Jose Mourinho is able to step in there and promptly sign, look, whatever we've said about Zlatan, the guy adds something to United. And then they back that up with Mkhitaryan, which is, we both admitted, a very solid signing. And if they're able to get a guy like Pogba, all of a sudden, United have have a pretty damn good core in, in the middle of the park. But my issue is this: it's not so much that United will get Pogba, though that would probably bother the vast majority of City fans, and it would probably bother Real and Barca fans who are hoping that they would get it. Um, but when you look at the protracted uh business that city have done over the course of this summer looking at how long it's taking to get Sine and then you even have Guardiola yesterday saying that or uh, two days ago saying that Shata and in uh, and, and city were so far apart in in their evaluations of it um, and and you know that ever can continue I mean, city should have just opened the bidding for John Stones at forty five million plus add-ons, you know? Like Everton have long held held that he's worth fifty million and he is going to be sold for fifty million. Like at a certain point you just have to understand that there's so much money in the Premier League that these guys you, you almost get elevated up a, a notch or two, you know, $20 million players become $40 million players. $40 million players become $80 million players. So on and so forth. Whereas a guy like Paul Pogba in, in a normal universe should cost around $60 million based on what he's accomplished. I mean, let's be real. What has Paul Pogba done that that Angel Di Maria hasn't? Aside from reason, Angel Di Maria has been in a World Cup final. Paul Pogba's not. So, I mean, in terms of what both of those guys had to offer, they they were sort of young, unproven talents. And and bear in mind, Paul Pogba is coming off a, a Euro's Where I will concede, I want to start out by saying that Didier Deschamps absolutely did not play him properly at all. Got to start there. Uh, Deschamps put Paul Pogba behind the eight ball. But this is a guy who has the ability to influence a game and basically came up empty in the Euros. Uh, He was virtually non-existent and, and he was completely absent in the final. Um, and he's going for $120 million, which is almost double what you think he would he should go for, which is right around what Angel Di Maria went for. If United are to get a beat on Pogba, how then do you evaluate City's transfer window when prior to the to to this whole thing even starting, it was oh, city you're gonna get stoned, city you're gonna get Sine. they're gonna go after Tony Cruz, uh, Obama Yang's in the mix, <clears throat> and now they're coming away with Molito. Uh, <laughs> you know maybe cney, and we honestly don't know if this stones thing is ever gonna get done. Uh, it just seems to be dragging and dragging and dragging. So, I guess I asked, my, my, my question is this, how do you view what Manchester City have done so far as compared to maybe some of the other clubs, most notably United?
1: I don't really evaluate City's window in um, in context with Others, because, well, I mean, United this summer are particularly an exception to the rule. Arsenal have made, what, one signing? Chelsea have made one signing. Um, I don't remember all the other Chelsea ones. Chelsea have else. made
0: I, several signings. Chelsea yeah, what I in? They, signed Uche, they brought yeah. in Conte. Chelsea have made moves,
1: man. Yes, they have. Um... So that was my mistake on that.
0: Um, and Arsenal but... never make a move. They're they're Stan as an LA Rams, you know, writer. I, look, Arsenal are Arsenal, so I don't think using them is is. was I, I mean, even Watford, we're getting thirty million dollar offers or thirty million offers uh, for Troy Deeney. I mean, people are making moves, and City seem to be stuck in almost neutral. I don't know that they
1: are, though. I think it's just taking a long time. And I know that's frustrating, and I know that's annoying. But I don't think, I do think that Stones and Sonic get done. There's not really anything to indicate that they won't. They're the only team in for either of them. They know what the price is. Yes, it's fair to ask why they don't just need it. At the same time, I don't think City wants to just be like, well, you name your price and we'll pay up. I don't think – I think that they feel that that has been a moniker attached to them in the past, and they don't want that to keep happening, although at some point you have to say, all right, let's, uh, let's sit down and figure this out.
0: Right. At what point are you negotiating against yourself? Because the priority this year was to hit the ground running. That was the priority this year, and that's what they said they wanted to do. That's what upper management said they wanted to do, and that was the plan for Guardiola to have these guys available almost from the outset so that all he had to concentrate on was helping to get these guys ready for the upcoming Premier League campaign. And here we sit. Uh, with basically August upon us. Um, and, and you know, City are still dilly-dallying and, and and haggling over some of these guys. Now, look, there's merit to what you said about not wanting to be, you know, taking advantage of, of every single time you head to the negotiating table. Like, you can't let you can negotiate against yourself and allow the 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 other party to dictate the terms of the negotiation, but at the same time city are coming in with some incredibly like almost insulting offers, like if you come in for sane at thirty five million, they're gonna look at it and i'm I i do not mean to plagiarize you know uh uh, I think it was Howard Hawken who had the original point, but like he brought up on the City Watch podcast, they're going to look at City and go, you paid $50 million for De Bruyne, lads. Like, you know, sod off. Get out of here. <laughs> We're not going to let this guy go for 35 That's almost insulting to us. And, and I... I totally understand not wanting to be taken care of, uh, not wanting to be taken advantage of. What I don't understand is why you make the negotiation so difficult from the outset by coming in with such a lowball figure from the start that it does almost offend the sensibilities of the people you're dealing with. And then they're like, oh, so that's how you want to play this. Okay. And then that leads us to here, where City are about to, you know, play their second of, of the preseason games. And we know for a fact ain't nobody going to be signed and brought in before they get done on Monday. It's just, It's just not likely at all. So City will have played half of their preseason without any of these guys being brought in. That's the only thing that that, that genuinely bothers me about this. I don't care about the I want it now aspect, you know. I I care about the fact that City were supposed to bring these people in because they're integral components to what the team are trying to do on the pitch. They want a center back – no, nay. They need a ball-playing center back to build out from the back. That is fundamental to what Guardiola does, and they don't have it.
1: I don't don't, – the thing about the Stones' transfer is that I don't – I don't know why it hasn't gotten done already, but at the same time, there's nothing that we've heard to indicate that it won't get done eventually. So I guess the point is, you know, I agree I would like it to have been done by now. I think I said in a previous podcast that I would start to get annoyed if Stone shows up for preseason training at Everton. I don't know if he's back yet. I don't know if Everton have him in their camp yet. But... We're getting, I think we are getting to the point where City need to sit down. I think I would put August 1st, and even that's late, because the season starts early this year. But, you know, we're getting to the point where someone needs to sit down and say, all right, let's figure this out. Because the problem is they're dealing with two clubs who aren't really desperate to let these guys go. Um, and that puts them in a strong negotiating position you would think that city would be more adept at this dealing with this by now, because the same thing sort of went down to the wire with, excuse me, with De Bruyne last summer. Um, The Sterling situation was so toxic. that I think everyone involved knew that it was better to get it over with as soon as possible and get on with life. That wasn't really happening with the other transfers, nor is it happening here. So, you know, either someone needs to start making more noise or someone needs to sit down and say, all right, let's deal with this. Let's get this over with. Because I think I'm not worried, nor am I panicking. I do think Stones and Sony get done. I think what Guardiola said on Wednesday was kind of, there's no reason to say, yeah, we're pretty close. I think it will get done. There's no reason to say that. Um, I think it was just sort of a negotiating ploy tactic because it runs counter to a lot of what we've heard in the press from both unreliable and reliable sources. But I think the frustration is starting to kick in because like you said, as of Monday, they'll be halfway through the preseason schedule. The season starts early, August 13th. That is less than a month away. It's about three weeks away, I believe a little more than that. Um, So I think what what has to happen is these teams are willing to sell, which I think they are at the right price. I don't mind if you want to negotiate a little bit, but you need to sit down, you need to show that you're serious, and you need to say, all right, you've got to bring replacements in, I assume. We want the players. Let's get this done. And if that's not done by August 1st, then I will start to be – as vocally frustrated as you are because I understand it.
0: And I think I think it's less about the fact that it's not all done and more about the fact <clears throat> that cities seem to have no problem landing unproven, unrealized potential and in some cases previously considered a flop. Like, last summer, there was talk of, of okay, they're going to land this guy and that guy and this guy. And they sure enough, they landed Raheem and they landed De Bruyne. But at the time, like you casually mentioned on one of our po- podcasts, De Bruyne was seen as the $60 million Chelsea flop. You know, like, he played well enough, for, for Wolfsburg, but there were a lot of people who had their suspicions about what De Bruyne would be able to do when he returned. Uh, I don't,
1: yeah, I, I don't think De Bruyne was seen as this world-class statement of interest right, finding
0: right, yeah. right, 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 right. And here, too, with Sonny and Stone, you have two guys who are seen as bright young lads for the future, and definitely guys who will bolster your squad, make it better, and have every bit of potential to become world-class players down the line. But City have not been able to do dick-all when it comes to negotiating with guys like Cruz, landing a guy like Benucci, getting Pogba, etc., etc., etc. No matter what... The actual big-name star we've supposedly, the city has supposedly been linked with, it's not really been done, and probably most importantly, it's been spectacularly not done, you know? Like, I I mean, the Cruz thing got killed super quick, even by Tony himself. Pogba, they're like, city were put off by the asking price. It's almost like they didn't even pay attention. Like, why were you put off by the asking price that everybody told you would be the asking price? Did you think that we were kidding when we said, you know, like, that kind of stuff is what bothers me? It's like they seem to be taken aback or caught unawares by things that it's like, really? Aren't you guys supposed to be a logical club? Like these things should not be catching you by surprise. The fact that Everton values somebody at $50 million should not catch you by surprise. You should know this. And, and I think that that's my problem with the negotiation. They'll get done whenever they get done. And I think you just have to accept that Soccer negotiations, unlike, you know, the the athletes that we deal here with in the States, there are so many different facets that it makes it impossible to even, like, start, figure out where to start on some of these transfers. But, uh, yeah, man, I I just, I feel like City have made no progress whatsoever when it comes to truly world-class players or potentially world-class players It's almost like you said, the last great one that they signed was Sergio Aguero. Yeah, and I guess
1: there was definitely some, the summer after they won their first title was complete failure of everything, that window. But since then, you know, you mentioned Pogba. Which they they did, whatever the case, they just didn't want to get into that bidding war. Um, but you, I guess the, the question is, what other world-class players have they explicitly targeted? Because I think the Benucci one this summer is the only one that stands a chance of developing into, well, this is kind of awkward. I don't, I don't know that they were, you know... I think they were interested. I think that's as far as it got. I just, I, I think it's less the asking price which they would pay in a second, as it is he's just not available and isn't going to force a move. Which you know, I don't know who you want to. It's, I don't know who's you know.
0: Why then do they make some of these their targets though? That's my curiosity. This is sort of what I'm getting back to with. They seem to be caught unawares by things that shouldn't be catching them off guard. Juventus are a notoriously impossible club to do business with. And yet, you start with Leonard Benucci? Like, sure, why don't you just come in and make an offer for Gigi Buffon? Like, it's, they, they thought, okay, or maybe the rumors are true and they were approached about Benucci. but if you're going to go in for Benucci, why don't you at least make an overture to Real? Like, Florentino Perez is far more likely to wake up one morning and say, you know what, I sure as hell will take that damn $50 million offer for Tony Cruz, and then we'll take 50 of our own money and send it to Juventus for Paul Pogba. Now we get now we get Pogba for 15 million and we've unloaded a spot for him uh, right on the dot. Like I, it just it it would make so much sense for Madrid to do that, and it just seems un, it seems weird to me that City haven't approached them with with a formalized plan for even trying. Like hey, lads, let's help you get this done so that you guys can get Paul Pogba in here. We really want Cruz. You really want Pogba. Let's sit down at the negotiating table and figure out how to get it done, right?
1: If you believe a couple of the reports that have come out in the last couple of days, they apparently have floated that again, which I find interesting. I don't know where these reports are coming from. One of them was the Mirror. There was another in Italy. Um, But I don't... I'm not sure because the Crows thing they brought and the Pogba thing they did bring upon themselves when they briefed the media on their targets, they were listed. I'm not... So I will give you... I'm not sure what they were expecting... Maybe they weren't expressing a bidding war. Maybe they thought, well, nobody else will pay it, and it'll just be us. You know, I don't know. Benucci, I, the club has not pushed that narrative. It has come out of Italy, which I guess in this day and age you have to sort of expect that. You have to learn to deal with the fact that agents and clubs are going to leak stuff, which is also what happened with Obama and I. That did not come from them, nor do I think the minutiae stuff has come from them. But you, you have to learn to deal with that. It's just the way business is this, at this point. Something will probably come out that you don't want coming out that will make things more difficult for you. Um, so I'm inclined to say that perhaps they're, they're a bit naïve when it comes to certain aspects of working the market, I sometimes it seems like they have this belief that, all right, we'll just sit down with the club and talk this over and come to an agreement without agents leaking stuff, without clubs leaking stuff, without who knows leaking stuff, people close to the player, whatever, um, agents, etc. So I think there's, you can accuse City of having some naivety in their transfer dealings. Um...
0: That's it, all yeah. I was. That's all I was trying to to, to say. Yeah. Like I still think, you know, I I think it's careful. I want to be careful of how I criticize the club because I do think that as a club, you know, looking at what fans want, you know, if you look at Arsenal, man, if you were an Arsenal fan, you'd be going. I mean, you'd be through the moon if you got even the delayed type of business that City were doing. Uh, I don't think Arsenal fans would give a damn if they were signing at the end of August. It's just, wow, we finally got, you know, some players in. So everything needs to be put in perspective. Over the last couple of transfer windows, City will have brought in, you know, guys like Patrick Roberts, Moreno, Falpola, Gabriel Jesus... Uh, you know, Patrick Roberts, and then you add guys in there like Sonny, Sterling, De Bruyne, and Stones, and you have a really solid and talented group of, of useful individuals that you can start bleeding into the first team. Uh, the city have done an excellent job with that stuff. And, and, and as a fan of the club, you know, I, I could not be more thrilled with the type of players that they are trying to go out and get. With that said, I just think that sometimes they are a bit naive and I think that they maybe try and bite off more than they can chew with what they list as their plans. Maybe they should stop giving the press their five targets ahead of time. Yeah, I was just about to say that probably doesn't help them. Um, Although
1: maybe they think it does. I don't know. There is so much that goes on under the hood of a transfer window. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I I, I don't know
1: either. It's also fluid. Maybe it does help them and worry the idiots. We don't know. I'm inclined to agree with you that maybe they should stop doing that. But, you know...
0: But at the same, you know, I, I it seems think, to work with the younger players. It just yeah. seems to shoot them in the foot with the guys you need to complete that transition of of blending youthful uh, youthful talent with veteran presence and ability. Uh, City are missing those veteran presence uh because they announce what they want to do ahead of time, and then Real are, and everyone else are like, we're not selling you our best. We're not giving you our best center back. We're not going to give you our best pass distributing midfielder. Like, these are things that come up, whereas if you don't leak that to the press and you go directly to Real Madrid and say, what would it take to get Tony Kroos from you? And then if it makes it into the press, oh, well. But by that point, hopefully you're far enough along in negotiations that Florentino Perez and his cronies can can use, you know, Marca or AS however they want um, to, to, to put their side of things on it. Like, oh, this deal is going to guarantee that Madrid are able to bring in Pogba. Like, the, the Socios wouldn't even think twice if the end result meant Pogba came in. They, short of Cristiano Ronaldo and maybe Sergio Ramos, I don't think that there is anybody on that team that they would care uh, if they left, if it meant that Pogba came in in their place.
1: Right. And maybe one thing it does is it sends off everyone else's interest because it does seem like it's city or nothing for Stones and Sunday. It does; they seem to have seen off all interest from other clubs. Which again begs the no question: All right, then why isn't it done yet? Because Stones' Euro campaign has been done for almost a month. Um, but you know, I don't, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, and we're not
0: going to figure it out on this podcast.
1: No, or probably any other podcast in the weeks to come. So I, mean, I
0: I just thought it was interesting though. You know, I just I just wanted to touch on that, you know, really briefly because I, I, I I'm not, you know, disappointed or frustrated or angry with city. It's more confused. It's confusion as to how they can be so good at business and at other times seem so naive.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: I I'll, I'll give you that
1: point. And I do think that maybe whatever business reasons they have for leaking a list of transfer targets toward the end of the season, I think the last couple of years it has served, except for last year when they basically got everybody, save Pogba, who didn't move, it seems to raise expectations, and then it seems like a disappointment when if something doesn't happen, which it shouldn't be. Well I, I think the,
0: we always have we, we also have to account for the not the amount of money spent on complete and utter busts right for Manchester City, which is why fans are like well, you were so you're telling me that you'll write a forty two million you know forty two million you know pound check for Eliakim and Gala, but the extra eight for Leonard Bonucci... Like you, you just you, no, no. You're not gonna put that on the table and just say, "Hey, Yubay, here's a fifty dollar or fifty million offer for uh, for Benucci. Like, what gives? Let's do this, huh? You and know, seems, money, money makes like, people do funny things. Is all I was gonna say. And it seems like whenever we get
1: these protracted transfer sagas which involves cities spending weeks trying to handle the price down. They end up paying close to original price anyway, which, again, I don't know. I don't know what goes on under the hood. But De Bruyne's original asking price last summer was, you know, pretty close to what he ended up going for.
0: Sterling Um, basically went on the money. Yeah, so it was Sterling's...
1: um, so was Mangala's, actually, if we're talking about protracted transfer sagas, where everyone knew that they wanted a the player, but it took forever to get it done, and it ended up being roughly the same price that they were being quoted at the start of the whole thing. And it looks like the same thing is going to happen with Stones and Sonic. So I admire their persistence, but perhaps, you know, maybe they need to take a look and say, you know, we're all just negotiating, we're not really getting any... Get saving much in the way of money. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: that, that you 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 basically put a bow and and stated much more eloquently uh, the point that I was trying to make. At the end of the day, they end up paying the total anyway. So it just like it's like what the hell were you doing for that month? You know, I, I don't know. It's hilarious. Uh We are never going to know, and and I just you know I want to end with the point. It's really important that that I wrap up the damn podcast at this point. City as a club are outstandingly ran. I have the utmost faith in Pep Guardiola. I have varying degrees of faith for Soriano and Bagheera Stein I think I don't think that's unreasonable I think a lot of people in the club uh, or, or a lot of fans uh, of the club have varying degrees of faith in those two individuals but I do believe that Caldoun and Mansour have a plan. I do believe that that they have, in some ways, I don't think that this hesitancy to spend money is is coming from you know Caldoon or Monsieur. I think that they you know basically have the opinion of if it's going to help this team win uh, uh, the league or the you know Champions League, then then we're fine to spend the money. I mean, try to do well in business, but. I think it actually it's sort of maybe it's Begiristain and Soriano who are hesitant to, to spend the money to pull the trigger. Um, it didn't seem to be a problem for the previous administration, um, so I I don't know their. I just I believe in what city are doing. I believe that they will fulfill their project goals. I just think that there are times that I am curious about a particular deviation in a plan to achieve those goals. It seems sometimes like they make the job harder for themselves. That's all I wanted to state.
1: Soriano seems to be doing a great job on the commercial side. It's just sort of—it seems like the football operations side that's just squeamish to pull the trigger sometimes, for whatever reason. Um yeah. but I, I you know I guess I guess we'll find out, won't we? And we look forward to having this conversation when City and have every place pay the asking price for stones and Sunday, which we will.
0: <laughs> um We'll be right back here saying, Oh look, they paid fifty million about for yeah. stones. Do
1: you think we could have they... saved about two weeks of our time on this? <laughs> yep. But Whatever. I don't know. We know nothing. We just rant. Um, So, we'll be back again. This this turned into a longer podcast than we intended, but, you know, those were good points that we had to make. So, whatever. I don't care. Um, And we'll be back next week. We'll have David Mooney. We'll talk about Be Friendly with United, presuming it does go ahead. And I'm sure we'll have some questions for him about the market and other Manchester City related things. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. That actually will, unless they do sign someone, that actually will be the next podcast we do. We mean it this time. Um, so we'll talk to you next week. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at America City C I T Y G N S, just America, no American, because Twitter handle. So. I think that we are about to sit here, and I enjoyed it, and we'll be talking to you again next week, so be sure to come back. It's America City, American Citizens on Blog Talk Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.